TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Whether you're just wrapping up the night shift or on your way to start the day, we got what you need. Welcome to the morning shift. It's the most mid-team in history. A whole new way to start your day with nationally televised reporter Tiffany Blackman. Any pizza for me can be a personal. Can't wait. Former Falcons and Alabama offensive lineman Mike John. I have my butt shoot by Nick Saban a few times. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. And Atlanta sports radio guru Bo Morgan. You know who I am? I'm Squid Bill. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? It's a new experience. And a new take on a sports morning show. The morning shift is on. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now, here's Tiffany, Mike, and Bo. Good morning! We are live from Daytona Beach, Florida for the 66 running of the Daytona 500. We have a studio audience here to watch us and hear us on the morning shift. I'm Bo Morgan, joined by the national champion, All-American, Mike Johnson. Stop it. And I want to tell you, first off, that this hour is brought to you by Morgan & Morgan. Injured? Our Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm and the one with the best name out there. Uh, Yeah, so we are live from Daytona, Florida, uh, down here for the Daytona 500. And um, started off last night, Squid and I got in town right around 4.30. Uh, checked out the duels last night. A couple cool races last night. And uh, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to give ourselves away. But a couple cervezas were on hand and had to be had. Uh, and yet here we are, bright and early, and uh, absolutely enjoying every part of it, man. So actually, the trip down yesterday wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. And and not that I. Expected <laughs> I don't understand. Wait, wait. What are you trying not, to say? It's not, not that I expected you to be a bad car partner. But we've talked about this before. That there's there is a. There's a rule on distance of drives yeah. that, that I would want to make, and, and six hours is my cutoff. Usually anything beyond six hours, and so this one was actually a little over six hours to drive down here. And, um, look, I, I didn't think it was that bad. Stopped at Bucky's uh, just outside of Macon, Fort Valley, I believe it was, and um, I didn't think it was that bad. No, uh, and, I t- I, and I made a lot of jokes about how I was going to take – I was going to sleep the whole way down, <laughs> and I was just trying to trying to get you – you know, you get you irritated. Imagine that. But I was never going to leave you out to dry like that. There was def- – bro, there was definitely one part where your eyes were about to roll in the back of the head. You had the classic aviators on. I don't – I have not seen the Gucci bag uh, so, so so far well, since we've been down here. But you brought every enough. other bag from your house. So, um, Yeah, I hit a lull. But um, but then we cranked up some music, and I, and, I, and I kicked back into gear. I think it was fair to say, look, I wake up at 3 a.m. every morning, man. And it was a long day, but I didn't. I didn't uh, take yeah. no naps. I, I was actually proud of us, Can, uh, to be honest, between the two of us, because you wake up uh, three thirty, you know, four o'clock. Anybody that's listening to us right now understands that kind of grind of being at work at six a.m. Uh, and at you know being live enough to talk about it. And yet we made it all the way through last night till <laughs> till a uh, pretty late hour. And so I was actually uh, excited about our level of commitment to to uh, to be able to do this trip right, man. But I'm happy to be down here and. 
Hopefully the weather can hold off for the rest of the weekend. I'm one of those people that all the way up until the last minute tries to be positive about any kind of rain situation. I'm sure that anybody that's uh, you know, a Braves fan out there and has experienced the rain delays and things like that, I'm always the last person to be like, Mike, I have one rain. I have one pressing question for you. Did or did not or did Squid Billy open up the chocolate covered almonds during the ride yesterday he tried at any to. point? He tr- you stopped him? <laughs> he tried to, man. Hey, we looked around the entire uh, we, the cab of the car, but he had so much stuff in there, Dylan, that he couldn't find them. That was the funny part. Like, they, that's an actual story. He brought so many bags that he could not get them all out of the way in order to find his chocolate-covered almonds in the back seat of my car. I had, to, I had, to, I had the kids' seats out of the back. Uh, we had it hooked up, and uh, I gave this man plenty of room, and I had, like, uh, probably one-eighth of the space in the back seat. This guy brought a little bit of everything. Well, I had to be prepared, um, and somehow yet I still froze last night on my air mattress. Um, at one point, I had the blanket completely over me, and I looked like a 160-pound butterball turkey. Dylan, I do need to, to bring attention to one thing. I don't know if you remember those throwback NASCAR jackets when you were really young, like late 90s, that kind of became fashionable. This man is sitting here at this table, literally looking like he is about to run, the Daytona 500 in this jacket. He's wait. Oh, it's, I, I, I think I had. I think I had there. one of those jackets because, like, when I was in like, I think sixth or seventh grade, they became popular. Is it like the, the like yeah. they kind of like a bomber style jacket, and then has the yes. colors of the guy? And then yeah, I had a Tony Stewart one, and it was very orange. Of course you, you did. Had, <laughs> of course you had a Tony Stewart one. Hey, I, that was a fresh fit for me oh though. That was a fresh for me. I had the jacket. I had an orange, like a plain orange shirt too. I had some like black shirt. Man, I was styling with it. Dude, that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, well, Bo's sitting at the table right now wearing his Dale Jr. And um, like I said, we're live from Daytona. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about Alex Anthopoulos uh, coming up on the other side of the break, uh, Bo. But I listen. Obviously, we spent some time in the car together. <laughs> we got to listen to the interview uh, from the Steakhouse yesterday. And, and is it weird for me to say, and before we get to any of these cuts in the next segment, he actually sounds, Alex Anthopoulos, uh, who was on the Steakhouse yesterday, he sounds calm. Well, is that it, fair? No, it's 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 it's. I would take it a step further. He sounds relaxed. Yeah, that's uh, actually that's actually a better word. And, that's and actually a better word. It's something that I noticed the way last year ended. Uh, you kind of felt like he might not sound relaxed and, and just completely. It, it's just when you when you lose like that after winning a hundred games and the second straight season you go out and just two straight disappointing uh, postseasons after. Honestly, some good runs, including a World Series, you would you, you would think that maybe that it would be a little bit of tightness, a little bit of urgency. And I'm not saying this team doesn't have the urgency, but he is being the calm, uh, stress-free guy, and almost like um, bringing some levity to, to this team because the players are clearly rolling in here with. I don't want to know if say they're putting pressure on themselves, but they have expectations, and they are World Series or nothing, and that's pretty much what some of these guys are saying. And maybe that it, the the attitude that you hear from him is what this team needs. Him and Snitker are going to have to kind of keep these guys level and keep keep them steady when things happen, good or bad. Right, going through this season. No, I think you're I think you're spot on about it. And when you listen to him yesterday, like I said, you, I said. Uh, you know, calm, you say relaxed or, you know, whatever it may be. 
Um, man, I, I do wish they were already playing. We're not that far from them. I just thought about that. Uh, we're actually not that far from where the Braves are playing spring training down here down in Daytona Beach. Everything happening in Florida right now. In yeah. Florida, so. I mean, we could roll through Monday and watch them do some long toss. Are you familiar with spring training in the Cactus League? Um, have you ever been around Phoenix for that? No. It always blows my mind because I grew up in Florida, and spring training was a thing, right? You go to South Florida, and there, you drive an hour this way, three hours that way, two hours that way, and you can find all these fields. And then one day I went to Phoenix, and I realized that all of that is in the same town. Like, all of that is in the same. There must be more sporting venues per square mile in the Phoenix area than there are anywhere in the world. Because every freaking direction you look, there is a spring training complex, uh, you know, some kind of field, some kind of dome, some kind of college stadium, some kind of something else. Uh, but, man, spring training, just it's that time of year. I just I just started thinking about that Cactus League earlier. I was like, man, I was, I was dumbfounded by that. Is that why so many teams have moved out there to the Arizona area and doing the Cactus League? Because it's so spread out in Florida. I mean, so you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know, but when you roll up to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, yeah. you, you as we take the team bus through, you go right by the Yankees complex. Yeah, I think it's called Legends Field or yeah. uh, something along those lines. It is it is literally right next door. And the Braves are down here in Orlando. The Northport now, which is near Orlando. It used to be Orlando, I guess, down the Disney thing, but now it's Northport. And so there's they're just spread out all over a little bit. Maybe it just feels maybe that's why Arizona has become an easier thing for these teams. It probably is. Uh, probably a lot less travel money. You can probably stay in your own house every night uh, when you get done. Uh, playing your spring training games if you're uh, if you're out there and you got something rented and something hooked up. All right, we got to get to a uh, break. Uh, when we come back. We're going to continue this Alex Anthopoulos talk yesterday. Listen to some of his sound from the steakhouse, guys. It's the morning shift. It's Mike and Bo live from Daytona Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Mornings on the game means more of the morning shift. Nice. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back in. It's the morning shift. Mike and Bo live from Daytona, Florida. Down here for speed. You know, they still call it speed weeks. Yeah. It's really not speed weeks. Well. It's speed speed like five five out of seven days. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest Well, since they do qualifying. Remember, they used to do qualifying a week before. Yeah. And now now they do it the Wednesday before. So, technically, it's kind of the whole – I was listening to um, – I can't remember what it was. But, uh, oh, maybe it was one of it was one of our conversations with Doug. <laughs> but talking about Chase Elliott was going down and racing uh, at some of the tracks down here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he that Chase was interviewed or something, he was like, well, this to me is Speed Weeks, where you can come down to some of these smaller yeah. tracks around – like Belusha and stuff, and and, and and race your dirt cars. And I think Kyle Larson was a part of it. And it turns into a whole week of the, the events because on Wednesdays you qualify, Thursday yeah. you have the duels, the Friday's truck, Saturday's Ark and Bush, or Xfinity as they try to call it now, uh, and then Sunday's the big boys. Yeah, 
Uh, well, either way, we're down here hanging out uh, for the next few days, hoping the, uh, the rain holds off. Get the race in Sunday. Uh, also down in Florida right now are the Atlanta Braves. And uh, pitchers and catchers reporting just a couple of days ago, and things tend to roll in that direction. And I want to get to this sound about uh, Alex, uh, Bo, talking to uh, Stake and Sandra yesterday about how he meets with the players before spring training. Uh, Dylan, I, I, th- this um, – and I know I just threw Dylan off uh, trying to throw that cut, but when I heard this yesterday – I was so intrigued slash excited about, uh, you know, the relationship between Alex Anthopoulos. And uh, I want to get to that cut. He is uh, talking about how he's upfront and transparent with every player before spring training starts. I remember, like, I'd walk past guys in the hallway and say, hey, how you doing? Good morning, this and that. And then, like, that afternoon, you're getting a call from the agent saying, hey, my guy wants to know where, where he stands, what's his role. And I kept thinking to myself, why the guy just walked behind me and not asked, you know? So... I started thinking and started doing it in Toronto. Let's just pull everybody in at the beginning of camp, sit them down. Here's the game plan. You know, you're, you're slated. You're competing for this spot. You're not going to make team, whatever it might be. But at least everybody goes into camp. And it's not like we're doing it after they went 0 for 4 or they had a bad outing. We're doing it before they even played. And then we ask them questions. They get to ask us questions. But at least everyone knows where they stand. That's fascinating. Do you ever you really say to guys you're likely not making the team? Yeah, I mean, look, certain guys that you know are just here, they're young guys. And honestly, like, sometimes it'll be like, look, there's waves of cuts, right? Look, you might be on the first wave of cuts. Don't read into it, right? Because everybody reads into everything. Oh, did they not like me? Did I do something wrong? If you're a young guy who was in high A last year and you're in your first spring training, it might be like, hey, spend time around Sean Murphy or, hey, spend time around Charlie Morton or spend time around, you know, when Wash was here, whoever it was. Just experience it. But, look, you're likely going to be on the first wave of cuts. I just think as direct and as transparent as you can be, there is uh, there's something so beautiful about that, is there not? Well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know what happens with every general manager in baseball and whether they do that or do not do that. What I will tell you is I've never heard another general manager ever talk like that of conversations, especially a guy that's so private with everything he does. Well, that's you, a good point. You never know a move that he's making, but he's sitting there telling you, look, I tell guys they're not making the roster, but you know what would be good for you? You go over there and you sit with a guy who is making the roster, who did hit – uh, 50 plus home runs, or you go the guy who struck out more guys in his first two seasons than any pitcher in, in baseball history. Yes, those are really things. Uh, the Charlie Mortons of the world, the old old heads on this team. Now Chris Sell, another guy, you know, a young catcher, get with Travis Darno and Sean Murphy. That is interesting, and I never really heard a guy talk about the players that you already know aren't making a team. And I think that goes into what you said earlier or what we talked about in the first, in the first segment about Alex Anthopoulos' mindset, his mood. It's relaxed. He's comfortable. And when you get in those situations, I feel like it makes guys better because you're not worried about the little things. You're just trying to get better. And as a GM, he's trying to get better. He's allowing Snit, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to allow you to, to, to have the guys to use and get better with how you use them and, and allow these guys to be better because they're not overused. And he talked about that at some point with the bullpen. But it, it's interesting to hear those words come out because it just doesn't feel like – I mean, imagine Terry Fontenot at the beginning of training camp when they have their first presser and really the only time you get to hear from him during the season saying, yeah, you know, I sat down with – um." I sat down with uh, 50 th- – what do we think is uh, 65 through 90. Right. And basically said, 
Hey, you know, you guys are here, and uh, there might be 10 of you that make the practice squad, you know? It just doesn't happen. You just don't hear that. Well, no, it's that, different in baseball. It, I, I get it, because you don't lose the rights to that player. But. It, and that's the point I'm trying to make is there's something so beautiful about knowing what you need to do. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I think in, 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 you know, in a lot of ways it's impossible in football, but I always think of, man, it's, it's re- it'd be really nice if there was something, you know, that you had to do and your GM was like – like, I, I, I kind of knew where I stood most – that I was battling on the roster in, in, in training camp. and But there would be something beautiful about, you know, if, if Thomas Dimitrov comes up and goes, hey, by the way, you need to be able to play Ding. right guard this many snaps. You need to keep your levels at left guard this many snaps, and, and you also need to learn to play center as this option. You know, and, and that's, there's something beautiful about Let that. Let me ask you a question. I mean, yeah, as a player, if I'm your position coach, and I'm a – was it Paul Dunn one year, right? Yeah, Paul Dunn. Coach, so Coach Dunn walks Dunning. up. Hey, Mike, you need to – yeah, this and it's kind of more of a passing. You, you know, just a two-minute, thirty-second conversation to two minutes. Like, hey, you know, I saw this out there. Do this, blah blah. blah. That means something. That's cool. You know, it. but if Thomas Dimitrov walks by at this time, he's your GM when you were playing for the Falcons, and says, "Hey, you know, um, we were we were talking about you. We noticed some things. If you can do these two things, you're you're secure." In this position, I mean, which that would mean a little bit more, right? You just knew the like that's the big guy. That's the guy that helps make the roster. Yeah, no, and and, and it just and Dunny was actually really good at being open with us, um, kind of about the things we needed. He was Dunny for his first couple of years when Boudreaux was there with me. Uh, Dunny was kind of in charge of that scout team look team that you might have been doing. You know, if you weren't part of if there's ten linemen and you're not part of the starters, you're running looks for you know the defense. And so Dunny was kind of in charge. So when he got that head job, I think he kind of grew with us of being like buddy, buddy, being like, hey, you know, uh, this is kind of a big, it's kind of a big stretch of practices for you. You know, wink, wink, like, hey, uh, you know, this might be uh, something important. Um, but it was, it was interesting, man, because, you know, there were position battles going on. And I want to get back to this sound. Alex Anthopoulos talked about some of the position battles actually going on with the Braves right now. The battles in spring training are pretty much going to be who's going to be the fifth starter, how's that going to work out, and what the implications would be with whoever we choose. And then, you know, in reality, the last two spots on the bench, who are those guys going to be? And I know that's, I think it's a good thing that we don't have a ton of spots open, a ton of competition. That means you're a pretty established team and a, and a good team. So, look, some of that might take care of itself because guys get hurt or, you know, don't perform and so on. But, I mean, I would say the number one thing to watch will be that fifth starter spot because we've got a lot of really talented young arms the depth of our farm the depth of our young talent is on the mound and that's by design look we had Bryce Elder with an all-star and he's competing it's a really good spot to be in I, I do want to point real quick Bo that you know him talking about that uh that last two spots in the roster and he yeah. mentioned yesterday um that he wanted speed in that spot and I was thinking about the, the fact that you bring Jared Kelnick over and now he's that left field option and he has a ton of speed as well this this is going to be a fast fast baseball team this year, when you start to look from top to bottom, it seems like they're they're trying to really. T- I mean, you, you have the single season stolen bases record holder uh, at this point, and it just seems like they've only added to that. Yeah, and look, where the game's at right now, it's the launch angle stuff, and it's a power game. And we've talked about. I think the Braves have had two two sacrifice uh, bunts in two years, two seasons. Uh, it's some crazy number. No, and then twenty two, they only had one, and it came like the last game of the year. So I pointed it out to say if they've got speed, Mike, and you can increase stolen bases, not just Acuna, you know, you work yourselves into to, to not going through those times where there's some droughts. And this offense was very powerful last year, and they scored a lot of runs, but there were 
times where it would have been nice that a, a deep fly would have scored a run because you've stolen a base and maybe advanced a runner. And, look, there's, there's different ways of doing that. I mean, sometimes if you've got a guy on second, a ground ball to, to first or second is going to move that runner over, you know, okay. and that, or a deep fly, and now you've got a guy in scoring position. That's, those are important things. I completely agree with that. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time watching Joe Madden as a manager, and one of the things that always irritated me was when he was in the National League, and this is back when you had the designated hitter and manufacturing runs was always a much bigger deal, right? You, were, yeah. you, you know, you were bunting, and you were subbing out of that pitcher slot, and you were doing all these different things with the lineup. I just never felt like and, – and, and listen, he won a World Series in Chicago. I never felt like Joe Madden, though, was a National League manager because he couldn't manufacture those runs in tight spaces. I still have a little bit of that old-school National League attitude when it comes to manufacturing runs, I'll be honest. I, it just – it seems like the power bats come and go and come and go. Now, for the Braves team, it, 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 that was not the case. It just came the entire year until you got to the playoffs. But when they're not hitting, when they're not hitting well – Sometimes it's about good pitching and manufacturing runs. I, I'm still kind of jaded by that old National League school thought. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's stuck. That a lot of fans feel that way. It is just where the the DH has changed everything in the National League, and it's just kind of the game has changed with the launch angle stuff. Now the stolen bait, the bigger bases, was added to to bring that back in the game. The real quick, I know we got to get to break, but this fifth starter thing, I I know it's it's been a concern for us. If Chris Sell is what we hope he is, and he has a healthy year, and he gives you uh, any kind of consistency of what he gave the Red Sox the last few starts of the 22 season or 23 season. Bryce Elder was an all-star at the beginning of the year, but he was your yeah. fifth starter. Yeah. And, and, and then he faded. If he can kind of break through with arm fatigue and, and keep his the, 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 the movement on his, on his pitches because he's not a power guy, I mean, you got Hurston Waltrip who could come up late in the season. You, there's just so, so – Hurston Waltrip could do his, could be Spencer Strider again. Like, there's so many possibilities with these young guys that we need – there might be a possibility that we need to go get another starter at the deadline or late in the, mid, midway through the season. But right now it feels a little more upbeat about that spot than it did this time last year. Yeah. Uh, you're right. We do got to get to break. Um, this hour brought to you by Morgan & Morgan. Injured – Hire Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. It's the morning shift. Guys, we're down live from Daytona. Coming back on the other side of the break, we got to talk about this situation going on at Georgia State, man. College football right now, completely out of control. We'll be right back in a minute, live from Daytona, Florida. that dial this is the morning shift all of them are really really hot on sports radio 92.9 the game welcome back in sports radio 92.9 the game got the morning shift you got mike hanging out with bo live down here from daytona florida down here for daytona speed weeks uh hanging out got to see the duels last night couple actually pretty good races as far as uh, the duels usually go. They're usually yeah. a little bit more content uh, than they were last night. But My guy uh, took a hard hit, man. Yeah. Ryan Blaney, Blaney hit the did. wall hard, caught on fire. Um, really nice job, too. Jimmy Johnson raced his way Boy, into that the 500 fun. last night. That was really, really cool to watch. Uh, it's just kind of all uh, kind of all coming back to me at this he, point, man. He I had was, a uh, Rowdy Burns-type save. When they went to caution, he got loose, and he went down, and he saved it right on the apron. Yeah, he did. And was able to bring that car back around, go to the pits, come back, and then – uh, race out was JJ Yaley yeah. for that for that final that final spot in his the first race final the transfer spot that was open that was some 
really good race. If I, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Jimmy Johnson could be a that, his car. These cars are all the same. I know that Harry Hawks says there's nothing slot stock cars. about the stock car, yeah. but right now these next gen cars are pretty, pretty. They're built to be even. Um, they're all the same parts, and a lot of it is a driver. And this is a, that's old seven time out there. And yeah, I was gonna say he, he's he's driven a stock car time too. That Jimmy Johnson, uh, so he knows what to do behind the wheel. Nice job by him last night qualifying, being in the Daytona 500. On Sunday, we're hoping the uh, rain holds off down here throughout the weekend. Saturday, not looking good. Uh, I think we might uh, end up doing some sightseeing. But uh, there is one guy that's going to do some sightseeing really soon. We've got to talk about the Sean Elliott news. Georgia State head football coach Sean Elliott resigns, reportedly, yesterday to become the tight ends coach at South Carolina. Now, I know everybody out there's brain went exact same place. I did. And you talk about the quality coaches that have left college football this offseason, and I, it, it, it leaves me kind of asking myself about the state of college football when all these quality coaches are saying, man, I can't do it anymore. Um, you and I, I think, had said from the beginning, we're happy the players are making money, but there needs to be some regulation around it, and that's going to be so tough. And I, obviously, I think that's what college football is tasked with doing over the next uh, couple months, couple years. But as for right now, man, just an absolute – awful look in my opinion for college football when you got guys like this trying to walk out the door not wanting to do it it's going to be very interesting to see who writes the book whether it's bruce feldman or dennis dodd or Stuart mandel one of these college football writers that has better you know been national and then they write about the story about what could it if we don't fix this what'll be the death of college football yeah and it's when imploding it, right now and every time and i'm going to get off on a little bit of a tangent off of the shot first of all i think sean elliott left for probably the reasons that some of these other the chip kelly decided he just wanted to go coach football yeah that's the reason that um boston college's job came open and it was at hartley uh i think he left to go be the dc of the packers Dude. because they don't want to be fundraisers you can say well it's georgia state it, it's it's just as tough on those schools when when the, these players they're told and look rightfully so they're they're talented guys and they're they're getting college positions they're told they're something and then they walk in and they see other guys and they go well I'm the best player or I'm the best at this position on this team why am I not being compensated and it gets to be a lot it it I keep having people say well this is good because we're going to go to a, a two league or two conference thirty two team model it's not good that's that's good for nobody let me tell you something. Why the hell do I want 32 teams no. on Saturdays when I got that on Sundays? Right. I don't. I don't want that. No one wants that. The, uh, the beauty of college football is every once in a while Appalachian State can go up there and beat Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Right. That Georgia that Southern can go beat Florida, and and that those teams are there and that they're competing. And co co we're if college football dies as it is now, it's not just the death of college football, but. A lot of sports, including some that are Title IX uh, sports, are going to lose their funding. Yeah, because football pays for a lot. It's uh, there's a lot of. Listen, I, I'm all about you know less regulation when it comes to a lot of things and making money, but you're, it's going to implode at, at some point. People are going to stop making it because nobody's going to watch anymore when um, you keep having these problems. No, I'm not sounding the alarms about college football. No, it's not dead, but. I mean, it just goes back to what we talked about Michael Oxley saying last week. Michael Oxley, you know, the head coach at Maryland, comes out and says, I got a third-string running back walking in and wanting $100,000. And it's just not realistic, and there's people in his ear saying, oh, you're worth $100,000. Ah, no, I would say your head football coach usually knows these kinds of things when you're at a place like Maryland. And Michael Oxley, obviously, it's just it, – it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me because it, you, Kane Womack's another one. Leaves South Alabama, goes to, goes to Alabama as a D.C. 
Yeah. I don't want to do it, and it's well, going to be a lot harder on these mid-major schools. Look at look at some previously great programs, and I know it, it people, ugh, but Florida is a program that has been nationally prominent since the Steve Furrier's arrival in early 90s. Yeah, yeah it's been 30 and years. And it is dying on a vine right now down there, and they're, they're about to literally – implode with Billy Napier, who has the toughest schedule we've ever seen in college football, oh, man. has a five-and-a-half over-under win total from Vegas. And there are articles right now about the Jaden Rashada stuff, for one, but how the NIL, which they call it the Victorious, or whatever is their, their program, whatever their fund, and they're failing to raise money to compete with the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Michigans. And they're going to – Billy Napier is a good football coach. Whether you like it or not, there was a rebuild that needed, but he might not get a fourth year because of not only the schedule, but the the, the, the lack of funding in this era. And it's not going to get – you're not going to hire someone to come in and do a better job if they can't get the money. Yeah. It's about money well, right now. I, I'll go one step further. Than that. And, and, by the way, I'm, I'm, I don't feel sorry for them for the schedule. I'm not – they they, uh, they handled that schedule, and, and they're doing all the right things. Oh, I love no the schedule. Sorry. It's I just love a, the schedule. It's just what it is. I love the schedule. Uh, five and a half uh, before we get to uh, TV's time. Five and a half. Uh, going over under on that. I'm going Mr. under. Florida guy. <laughs> this, That's The depth man. that you need to go That's through the month of November. Ooh. Their month of November is – It's gauntlet. It's just sick. Yeah, you might end up playing five top ten teams at, at that point. If Florida wins eight games, they should automatically be the 12th seed in the playoff. <laughs> automatically. You just said you're going under five and a half. I though. said they are, but if they were uh, to win, they should automatically have a berth. All right, man. Uh, hey, let's hit a TV's timeout with Dylan. Now, listen up. Now, let's take a look at what's going on in Tiffany's world. This ain't funny. With TV's timeout on the morning shift. Brought to you by MaximumCashHomeBuyers.com. Fair cash offers for as-is homes. Don't waste your time with repair. Call 678-902-2000. All right, fellas. We all know reality TV, right? Some of us like it. Some of us don't. But we could all agree on one thing. Usually, reality TV ain't so real. Usually no, pretty yeah, scripted. Usually it's 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 a thousand percent scripted. Yeah, most of the time. And it, and if not, it's being uh, the the actions are being encouraged heavily by the producers behind the yeah, camera. Yeah, they'll tell exactly. you. They'll, you'll tell them what's going on. They say, well, maybe you should react to this way, Mike. Maybe yeah. you should get mad at Bo for. Oh, hey, we didn't get the cameras on. Do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you Garbage. think if newsflash anybody out there, if you watch reality TV like Jersey Shore or The Real World or you know shows like that, newsflash, those are all pretty scripted. But. We were looking on Netflix, Simone and I, and we actually found a reality TV show that's pretty real. And it's actually a spinoff of one of the Netflix shows that were that was a big hit, Squid Game. Squid Game had a spinoff, and this actually came out late November. So we were a little late watching it, but once we watched it a couple of days ago, we got locked in. Squid Game came out with a spinoff. They are coming out with an actual season two, but they came off with a spinoff show, Squid Game the challenge. So, now Dylan, real uh-huh. quick, did you ever, did you watch the original Squid Game? I the, did. The, the the actual show, not the reality show. I did. Okay, I, did, and I loved it. No, I, it's not. I it's actually, not about me. I know. I actually have seen this show he's talking about, the, the actual reality show, but I never watched the actual Squid Games. The actual wow. the actual show so is good. pretty wild. It won a whole bunch uh, of awards too. Yeah, it, it's it's. I don't know. It's it's wild. It's it's, yeah. it's got some darkness. There's very. It's got a, some some dark things in it. Very much so, so. So, Dylan. Now, my question is: How do you know that it's actual reality when it comes to this new show? Uh, so, after Simone and I watched it, we we went through some, we went through some 
we did some digging and we saw some people on Instagram, participants on the show, talking on Instagram about, you know, what the show, what filming the show was like and how they, you know, the red light, green light game they played as the first game when they got there. They filmed that for seven hours. And some of that was tweaking something. So was some, were some things, you know, done by the producers to make it look more dramatic? Yes. But a lot of it was real. Like a lot of people who we saw talking on videos after they were on the show, they said what we did was very real. Like sleep, it, I don't. This isn't giving anything away, but they sleep in like this dormitory, the same dormitory that they sleep in in the actual Squid Game show. They actually slept in those dormitories. Like they didn't just sleep in there for a couple of minutes, or they just didn't get you know film of them, B roll of them sleeping in there. Like they actually slept in there, and they couldn't bring anything in there with them that wasn't prescribed. So like there was a lot of complaints about their lips being chapped and things like that. So like that was actually real. Like the stuff they were doing on that show was actually real. Like. There was real beef there. Um, it was actually real. And, it, like, the show itself is actually very, very good. So I encourage anybody that hasn't seen Squid Game the Challenge to go check it out. It's entertaining, and it still has all the messy drama that you want in a reality show. So very, very entertaining. Oh, I think we actually might have lost Mike and Bo here for a second. But you know what? It's okay. We'll get them back on the other side. We actually have to hit a break anyway. So, you know, they just kind of let me do uh, take it the rest of the way. So when we come back, Mike and Bo will be back, and they will be talking about the Falcons and how the Falcons have a big decision on their hands. And Dane Brugler maybe, maybe gave some ideas to what the Falcons should do. He's an NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. They'll get into some of the things he had to say to the morning shift yesterday as he was, uh, joined the morning shift yesterday. So they'll get into some of what he had to say on the other side. Mike and Bo back live from Daytona on Sports Radio. 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. <laughs> 